The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Do you have little foxes ruining your vineyard? No problem. We're talking transmitter hunting this time through on the Ham Radio 360 podcast. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast. Brought to you by Elecraft. Now, here's your host, Kel Nelson, K4CDN. Welcome back into Ham Radio 360 Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, for your support of the program, as well as the sponsors that help keep this thing going as well. My name is Kel Nelson. The call here is Kilo 4, Charlie Delta November, and I've been a licensed ham since 2011. I began podcasting about the amateur radio hobby back in 2014. Here we are, three-plus years later, and we're still having fun. Now, this particular program today is, is, is one that's been a long time coming. It's something I've really wanted to learn about here on the program with you so we could take the knowledge that we gained together and go out and have a good time with it. I think you're going to love this one. We're going to talk about transmitter hunting with Larry Jacobs in just a few moments. But first, that's right, let's talk about Main Trading Company down in Paris, Texas. Yeah, Richard and Christine Lenore are still doing it big in the mom-and-pop shop this month. They've got a great deal on the Kenwood TS480. That's the HF plus 6 meters, 100 watt with internal tuner HF rig. The detachable face so you don't have to take up all the space on your shack, you know, because your, your shack may get smaller and smaller as uh, the time progresses because your wife brings more decor into the house. She's not listening, so it doesn't matter. We can talk about her, right? <laughs> anyway, it is an HF plus 6 meters, 100 watts. It's a great radio right now on sale less than $860. That's including the $250 coupon. Let my friends at Main Trading Company know you heard about them here on the program. Check it out, the Kenwood TS480 on sale now at mtcradio.com. Excited to have Larry Jacobs on with us this time through Ham Radio 360 podcast. I hinted about it just maybe a couple of weeks ago, and then John, his son, who recently launched the brand new Field Radio podcast, and I were talking a little bit about it the other day. And and Larry, I'm not sure if you heard the show, but I told John that I had to get you on before he did so I could ask all the Kel questions about fox hunting as we dive into this topic today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, it was great to get to meet you at Hamvention. And when John said, you need to talk to my dad about fox hunting, I was like, well, that's great because I've been looking for someone to talk about fox hunting on the program for over three years now. So uh, I'm really excited to learn more about that. It's one of the things I've participated in one before, kind of accidentally. And uh, I was the second place guy, which was really kind of comical and unto itself. But uh, I, I really don't know a whole lot about it other than something's hidden. You're trying to find it. Kind of like being married, maybe, and um, <laughs> so uh, can, can you kind of break? My wife's not listening. Yeah, she? mine's not either. I can guarantee you, mine's not here. Okay. Uh, can can you kind of give out us in the barn? Huh? No, no, she's 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 at the house with the children. So uh, can you give us a breakdown on really what is fox hunting? Kind of a, a broad example of it. Sure. There's. It's called a lot of things uh, out here in Utah. We called it bunny hunts. I don't know why. We didn't hunt for bunnies. We hunted for a transmitter. And then fox hunting is uh, kind of uh, uh, across the country. Out in California, they call it tea hunts. 
put uh, when we pretty much come down to it's a transmitter hunt, and that says it all. I like I like things that aren't acronyms that you have to go like, what does that really mean? <laughs> are you hunting for a fox? Or are you hunting for a bunny? And in fact, we've had a little kickback from uh, the the uh, animal rights people when we call it fox hunting, and I get all kinds of real nasty emails. When I advertise fox hunting, and how can you possibly do that to that poor fox? So we're just going to call it transmitter hunting, and uh, it's something that uh, Dave Bill wrote a, wrote a book called World's Greatest Hobby, and he just kind of left off. There's about 50 hobbies within the world's greatest hobby, and I especially like transmitter hunting because it involves the whole family because you're only operating receivers, and anybody can operate a receiver. So we – you you can uh, get your kids involved if you've got a if you've got a 15 year old son that runs like lightning. Uh, great, give him a receiver and let him run. So that's that's kind of what we do. And it started out on 80 meters and it went to two meters. And uh, we picked it up with CAP when they started putting uh, emergency locator transmitters. And so that's basically what it is. So there's two real areas of funning hunting. Yeah, funny. Yes, there's two areas of funny. Uh, one is the uh, family-oriented stuff where we go out in parks and places like that. Actually, there's three, I guess. There's another one that is serious stuff, Southern California transmitter hunters. No rules, no boundaries, no complaints, no clues. And uh, I'm going to talk about one of theirs that just it went all the way from California to Utah, if you can believe it. Whoa. And then there's a ARDF, Amateur Radio Direction Finding. It's a national, international competition. And what we don't realize is there are people out there in Europe and Asia, they are professional transmitter hunters, and they run like crazy through the woods to do just that. So it's <laughs> when I'm thinking about this, and, and we had we talked about scouting a few weeks ago, but when I'm thinking about this, it's like, uh, okay, Boy Scouts, we're going to go try to find this radio, or for instance, here locally, we've had some fox hunts where they put the fox or the transmitter wherever, and then, you know, a couple uh, guys get together, two or three in a group, and then they, they try to find it somewhere in town, but it's more than just a... Uh, a game that they play in local clubs, you've just expressed this is a pretty serious thing to some folks out there. Oh, yeah. Around the world, it's a crazy time. In fact, uh, next year, the national, the international is going to be in Korea. And uh, I can tell you right now, the people that put those Korean courses together, they don't play fair. They make you run through rice patties and all kinds of terrible things. But uh, we're a little more kind to our, our people out here. If if we were coming to your local club or just local club in general potentially, what would what would we expect, or as you've seen in the past, for a transmitter hunt? What should what should a new guy kind of expect to to go into? Well, there's several ways we do it. One is I always try and have about five walk around. Uh, transmitters where they can we don't want them to if we're having a ham fest and we're doing transmitter hunting I don't want them to have to leave the ham fest to go participate in it so we do like five transmitters around in a walking area and then we do a, a extra transmitter that's a driving one that's a little more power and a little harder to find but one of the things you want to do if you put on a ham fest and you do transmitter hunts make it easy enough that everybody really feels good uh, there's nothing like putting some real 
hidden transmitters and make them as hard as you can. So you get 20 people participating and only about three of them find it. Mm. That's not the way to do it because it's not going to make these other people feel very good about their self. <laughs> it's kind of like everybody needs a participation trophy, but it's to keep them encouraged to want to come back and do it again the next time. Absolutely. And that's why I do five, five plus one and give them a little card, and then they find the transmitter they can put down the uh, indicator that it has on it. And it's usually a call sign that I know going backwards, so it's not it's nothing you can guess, but I can just look at the card and tell if they found them or not. I got you. Now, are you using like a, a portable handheld radio to, to be the transceiver or the transmitter that they're hunting, or are there smaller devices? I'm sure that there's probably just thousands of ways to do this, but what's your preferred method? Well, what I did um, back before all of the Chinese radios came out, uh, about the smallest one around was a little Radio Shack, kind of a micro handheld. And uh, they were like uh, half a watt with internal batteries and two watts if you add power to it. So I started pulling them off on eBay at about 20 bucks each. And I uh, I mounted up uh, some uh, PICON, P-I-C, capital C-O-N, PICON controllers from uh, Bioonics, and um, they control them, and that's that's mine. I, if I had to do it over again, I'd get the smallest uh, little Chinese radios I could, probably get them down to 15 bucks, and use those. A lot of guys have built the uh, uh, their transmitters, and boy, you know, the problem is you're kind of you're kind of roped in on the frequency and how it operates, but. Another reason to have a transceiver instead of a transmitter is because with these controllers, you can set it so like every minute it goes off for for 30 seconds. And during that time, if you want to con- reconfigure the the hunt, all you have to do is send a, the right touch tones and all, of a, all the transmitters uh, respond and do different things. <laughs> I like that little trick there. That's a pretty good one. Um, if If we're looking to get started in the fox hunting, and and I know we're going to continue to learn about it, that whole thing as we go the transmitter hunting. I'm gonna I'm gonna to learn to say it differently as well. Um, what what is something that we can kind of prepare ourselves for? Do we need a scanner? Do we need a Chinese handy talkie? Do we need a portable yagi? What what are the kind of the some of the parts of the gear that will help make us a more effective transmitter hunter? Well, the most popular thing out there, and this is an amazing thing, is, uh, you know, Arrow makes a really nice hand-tailed Yagi. Uh, Elk Antenna does. Uh, but the most popular one is the one you make yourself for about $10. That's the measuring tape antennas where you're taking PVC pipe and that free measuring tape from Harbor Freight <laughs> that they want to give you. And you, you put it together, use a five, about five inches of bare wire, soldering the directors together that way, and that's your match. And believe it or not, those things come down to about a 1.1 nothing um, SWR right in the middle of the two-meter band. So I, and, and the amazing thing is, too, you go back to the uh, internationals and the nationals where – these people fly in, they got the best equipment, and they're all running measuring tape antennas. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that goes, really through, good. that goes through customs a lot easier than maybe a log they periodic do. or they, something. They have lots of measuring tape, and that's PVC pipe, so what's the big <laughs> deal? But the main thing is they can go crashing through the brush, brush and measuring tape used for an antenna is not new. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, we used it on the first uh, Oscar Six satellite. I don't know if you knew about that part. No. Um, they wanted about a hundred. Well, North American Rockwell wanted right around one hundred fifty thousand dollars to build a ten meter telescoping um, uh, antenna for Oscar Six. Well, the, you know, we were we were pretty broke back then. You know, their AMSAT didn't really have a big fund like that. So one of the guys came up with this idea of a measuring tape antenna. So they took the measuring tape and they cut off a, a quarter wave on two on ten meters, and put one on either side. So it'd be a half half meter uh, or a full. Me- I don't know. I don't know exactly how long it was, but it was all coherent. And then they, you know, have you ever played with a measuring tape where you just wrap it and wrap it and make a big, you know, like a bow? Yeah. Well, they did that, and then they put a pin. And so when Oscar Six went launching onto space, they had little cables that pulled the pins, and out comes the measuring tape like you (laughs) played with when you were a kid. You know, there it is. (laughs) Now, as a bonus, they painted wow. one side black and one side white, and it became a solar windmill, and that caused the uh, the satellite to rotate. So, <laughs> you know, that's I guess that really has nothing to do with fox hunting, but it's quite interesting. Yeah, it'd make a great show topic. I like that. I, I had no idea. And, and wow, more magic of ham radio here on Ham Radio 360 Podcast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to come back with you in just a minute, Larry. I want to talk some more about this gear, about the uh, tape measure antenna and how we're going to utilize that to fox hunt and kind of get an idea about what is involved doing a fox hunt. So stick around, guys. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. The airspy.us website is your place to go for all things SDR radio. Currently 15% off the Airspy R2 SDR. It's got enhanced shielding, filtering. It's a great piece of equipment that will get you going. Yeah, it may not be the $20 dongle that you're going to get off Amazon or from eBay. It's not supposed to be. This is not your grandma's SDR. Listen, you got questions, they can answer them over there as well. Check them out, airspy.us. Airspy.uniform Sierra. We're back with Larry Jacobs, WA7ZBO, and we're talking transmitter hunting, fox hunting, bunny hunting, uh, tea hunting, uh, fill in the blanks. I'll, I'll probably say it wrong five or six times between now and the end of the program, but Larry, thank you again for coming on with us. We're, we're really excited to have you here. Thank you for stopping by. My pleasure. Yes, sir. So we were we finished the first segment talking about uh, a really interesting thing about the tape measure antenna on the Oscar Six. But uh, going back to transmitter hunting with a tape measure antenna, uh, those plans are all over the internet, and we'll find some good links to put in the show notes if you guys want to build one. You know, that's one of the things that I haven't done, and I don't really know why. I think that I may I think I may do that uh, and and see if I can come up with something to make it work around here. One of the questions, though, is once I have my tape measure antenna, then what do I do with it? Do I connect it to a scanner? Do I connect it to a handy, uh, my favorite uh, two-meter rig in the truck? Or how am I going to use that thing? Well, the most common thing is a handheld. And the nice thing about these, not only they're very directive on receive, but also on transmit. So it makes a dandy uh, emergency two-meter four-element 
one, two, three, three element <laughs> antenna, not only for receiving and transmitting, but in our case, we want to we want to receive it. Right. And by the way, almost every ham fest in the country now, they there's a class where they make them. We we did this one called Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana, Utah amateur radio uh, convention, and I think we made about 20 of them up there for wow. the number of people. That was 10% of the people, and it, you know, we just charged them what it was. But basically, when you build, when we build them, uh, we build them with a uh, small lead uh, going to B and C, and then from B and C, you can go into anything. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of handhelds are still B and C. Some of them, you know, go to you can go to the male or female, uh, Chinese, Yesu, ICOM, but it's very convertible. However, the problem with them is if you go looking for a transmitter, there's really no way to block that signal because your radio, your modern radio, no matter what it is, is try every component in that thing is trying to hear the frequency that you're tuned to. And so at one point, it wouldn't matter if you disconnected the antenna. It would still be receiving it. So what we do, we have a little trick. We call it a offset attenuator. So what we want to do, we want to trick the radio into listening to a different frequency than what the transmitter is transmitting on. So this very small offset attenuator, I've got one in my hand right now. This one's made by Arrow. It's about $50. And basically what it is is it has a little knob on the top. You put it on your radio and you take 4 megahertz up. So it's a if it's a 145 that you're looking for, <clears throat> then you dial this thing to 149. Now, all of a sudden, you are in total control of what your radio is listening for. So every component's listening for 149, and you have that control. So now you can you can just start going towards the transmitter, and as it gets stronger, you just take it down to the weak, so it's into the to the noise, and there you go. You can almost walk right up on it. But the interesting thing is. That's probably not the most common way to find it. The most common way is called body fading. Have you ever heard of that? I have. I actually did that with my truck. It's, it's a long story, but I, but please explain <laughs> it to us. So we'll with your truck. We'll, yeah, we're not going to have to listen to Kel's version of that. But but tell us what body fading is. Okay, what it is, it's you want to attenuate the signal. So what you do is you take your handheld. And when you get close to where you think it is, you take the antenna off, and you, or, or you can leave it on if it uh, is a weak signal. You hold it right to your chest, and then you start turning around in circles. And when the signal fades away, it, you know it's behind you because your body is attenuating the signal. Now, i got to tell you that some of our bodies are better attenuators <laughs> than others. If you only if you're a skinny guy, you're not going to attenuate much. But if you're like me, you got probably another 10 dB going for you there. <laughs> and so you just take it. Another trick is you tune off frequency. So if it's on 140, say it's on 145.5, you go to 145.55 or something like not five 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 dot oh five or whatever. Just mm -hmm. off, uh, just a just enough to make it kind of fuzzy to where somebody say, hey, you're off frequency. Well, then that attenuates it down a little bit. And in fact, the, the ham fest that we did, we did a, a five transmitter walk around and this guy and his son didn't have an antenna at all. They just used body fading. They found every one of them. So I'm wow. impressed. So we're just using ourselves basically to interrupt the signal back to the receiver. That's right, and the bigger the the bigger yourself there is, the better it works. 
and, and that will work, Larry. That would work if we were uh, two thousand feet away. That would work if we were two hundred feet away. We're just trying to block to kind of get a direction to point ourselves into. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. You okay. can. I would suggest you put it on your chest because it's kind of hard to hold it on your back. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> and then just turn on your heel, and that's where you turn need to get. That's right. Gotcha. So that's that's one way that I've seen people do that. Uh, I've also seen people use the handheld uh, directional antennas. Can can you just do it with a a rubber duck and just use like you said the body fade and and kind of go that direction like the like the folks did there? Is that that worked well yes. enough? I guess. It does work well enough. It's you're not going to be the first to find them if you're in a uh, time contest because it takes a little bit. Uh, the guy that has a handheld Yagi like a, a measuring tape antenna and a good either offset attenuator or a BK three YNG sniffer for three hundred dollars, and all it does is sniff hidden transmitters. So you know, there's always going to be something that comes out a little bit better. And I've got one here I can play with, so it makes it's got automatic attenuation and everything. So there you go. It and and, and, and Yagi's not the only one. You have Faraday loops where you actually go for the fade, where the uh, the null. Uh, there's slot antennas. Uh, they're switcher antennas. We back in the early uh, '70s, we started building switcher antennas, and what this is is the um, they measure the signal hitting two antennas, and the one comes in a little bit quicker than the other one. One uh, says, "Hey, you got to turn right or you got to turn left to equalize it out." And the, those are quite effective, but they're uh, they have multipath problems. But still, uh, that's what Civil Air Patrol s- still uses a lot of those. When I look online sometimes, I'll see these direction-finding rigs that you, you magnetize and you put up on the roof of your car that, say, has four points of antennas and, and some sort of device that comes back into your car. And I guess it's reading in 360 degrees or as much as it can. Um, I'm assuming that that could be used in a transmitter hunt, but that's not really where we're going with this show. Have you ever... You ever used anything like that? And if you have, have you compared it to what we're what we've been talking about? And is there any difference in in the use of it? Yeah, I've used them. Uh, I I had one, but it, it wasn't a very good quality one. It's made by Ramsey, uh, but mm-hmm. it did work. But it's mainly those are driving like, hey, you're going to go find something twenty miles away, so, and and it's kind of hard when you want to stop on the freeway and get out and get your. <laughs> Your <laughs> That's right. So uh, you see these still. Police use them for uh, finding uh, low jacks and things like that. But they're they're effective if you have, and it's kind of cool too. And back in Dayton, I don't know if you saw, there was a booth there that had one. It was a, a software defined radio. It had a little thing going with a computer, and uh, it looked pretty cool. I was really tempted, and then I thought, yeah, when would I use that? You know. <laughs> Yeah, there's always something to tempt someone at Dayton. Oh, really? Yeah. My biggest, my biggest temptation was the uh, Tennessee pork chop sandwiches. Yeah, that was amazing. And the sausage that was as as big Ooh, as yeah. yeah, that was amazing as well. Breakfast. Uh, it, ham. Ta- can you believe this? Hams are talking about food uh, on a ham radio podcast. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I have. Uh, Like I said, I participated once, and it was kind of a fluke that I even participated. The local club was having an event, uh, a transmitter hunt. I was actually supposed to be working that morning for my wife, and I left her shop, and I went 
towards the east. Her shop's on the east side of town. I went further east, and I heard the transmitter. And I was like, wait a minute. And I have a, a, a Diamond Super Gainer, for instance, on this particular vehicle, on a front fender mount of a F-250 truck. And I was able to drive around and point my omnidirectional antenna and find the dadgum transmitter the second guy to find it, it was just amazing to me that, but I was using my truck as, as the body fade, but I was using the body of my truck, I guess you'd say to, uh, to do that. But that's, that's my transmitter hunting story. I wow. didn't win, but I was second place. That <laughs> for a guy that just stumbled across it. That's a, that's a great story. I'm going to use that fun. one. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to put sure. that in my, my ream of stories about transmitter hunts. And I yeah, got a few yeah. of them. Well, you know, my big head inside the cab of the truck blocked, you know, it was the, the head fade thing there. I, I don't know, but it, it worked. I was able to orient my truck in, you know, in a parking lot, basically doing donuts without spinning the tires and finding the, the, where it, when it would transmit, finding where it was hot and kept moving in that direction and stumbled right over them. It was well, great. You, I was so excited. You, you definitely got to get into this, Kale. Well, that's a, that's it's so funny you mentioned that. My buddy Pokey, who is our EC of the uh, local Aries group here, is really wanting to learn about fox hunting. I know he's going to be excited to hear the show, as well as help our local CERT group and the local SAR teams to learn about transmitter hunting and direction finding. Uh, that's one of the things that I need to learn something about it, the reason for, because uh, I need to be able to help you know, build these antennas and, and figure out how to do these things. To me, it's just, it's another thing to do. And uh, I want to talk in just a moment about uh, transmitter hunting when someone local may be causing a problem. Uh, have you ever done anything like that before? Yes, actually, um, we uh, did it and we found, uh, we found two stolen radios. Uh, when I was in the Civil Air Patrol, we found a couple planes, um, I didn't find anybody running off the road that was using his ham radio, but using the techniques. And by the way, I'm probably the only professional uh, transmitter hunter you've ever seen because I worked for the railroad and we had a thing called a rear end device and that took the place of the, the caboose yeah. and they operated on UHF and they sent signals back and forth to the front end to tell them, hey, the train, rear of the train's moving, here's your brake pipe pressure and all that. Well, I'm out here working on the railroad, and this train pulls in, and it just jams all of the other trains. And we had engineers out there looking at the power lines and all kinds of things, and I said, this is nuts. So I fired up a, a two-meter radio on UHF, found the frequency, and went and found the rear-end device for them. <laughs> and what happened, these things would come in, they'd be locked on. They're supposed to just come on for a, about a quarter second, transmit, and then go off. Well, they'd, mm -hmm. they'd lock on. So the train would pull in. He'd block everybody until he left. Wow. And so I ended, up, I ended up creating a job for myself, finding rear-end devices that were locked up until they, they came out with a uh, timeout device. So I don't know. What, did that have anything to do with anything, by the way? Oh yeah, absolutely, and I want to talk some oh. more about it. Yeah, I do. I want to hear some some more uh, experiences and potential for us to be able to help uh, folks in the uh, let's say the uh, the local EMS or the the local police department when someone's screwing with the radios. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a second here on Ham Radio Three Sixty.
Ellacraft knows their potential clients. They know the folks that they build these radios for, and they're making it easier for you to get your hands on ham radio. Visit Ellacraft.com. They've got a new way to order the K3S line. You may be just the casual user. You might be the big DXer or even the contester in DXer. They've got pre-packaged deals for you on the web right now. Ellacraft.com. Hands-on ham radio. All right, so we're back with Larry, Whiskey Alpha 7, Zulu, Bravo Oscar. And uh, he, he just he just admitted to us that he was a professional transmitter hunter. And uh, <laughs> I didn't realize you worked the railroad either. I'm a, I'm a model railroader. Uh, I always kind of wanted to work on the railroad and just never did. But uh, that's always yeah, a trick. We still chase trains. I was a diesel electric or diesel locomotive electrician for about 30 years. Wow. And then I took uh, about five years off and produced videos for him. So I got to travel all over the railroad. I, I made a, well, I think I produced about 150 videos for them. <laughs> That's amazing. Larry, I didn't even ask you. Uh, I know that your family, you come from a, th- a three generational family of amateur radio operators. Your dad was a ham. How long have you been a ham radio operator? Um, you know, I actually got my novice back in the sixties and then let it lapse and, and seven JHF, I think it was. And then back when they had novices Mm -hmm. and then I got my uh, technician and then I got my general and I'm still, I'm still working on that extra. I've got me and I keep having to buy, it's taking so long. I keep having to buy a Gordon West new edition. (laughs) It's like, Oh man, I had four years to do it. Now I blew it. I got to buy them again. You know, (laughs) I had, I've, I've got four actual copies of the tech study guide. So I can understand it took me 16 years to get my tech. So, I mean, there's no, no shame in this game. (laughs) Well, I think, I think I'm uh, closing in on 50 years here. Wow. Well, congratulations. And thank you for the, your, your, your family's contributions to the hobby as we're enjoying uh, the story now uh, from you transmitter hunting. Uh, One of the things that I hear kind of, we've had some problems just honestly, locally, we've had some trouble with some jammers on the local VHF uh, fire department frequencies in the past. Uh, What can a ham do um, or what can anybody do to transmit hunt, not to go out and get in trouble and, you know, kick somebody's door in or anything like that. But I'm sure that the, uh, the local authorities would be interested in all the help they can get when they've got a problem like that. Uh, what can we do and how, how does that really work if we're going to try to help find somebody that, or even if it's a ham repeater getting blocked by some lid staying keyed up for hours on end, how, how do we begin that process? Well, you begin by, looking around and getting yourself an antenna and attenuator and and then start using it and getting to know things like multipath and um, reflections, uh, just get a little bit of expertise. And that's why we do it, too. Uh, this kind of, like I said, mentioned earlier, CAP. It was in the early 70s that CAP uh, got involved because the FAA started putting uh, in mandatory uh, ELT devices on the planes. And which uh, I think the average find after that went up like 150, 200 percent. Wow. But they didn't know, CAP didn't know, know all that much about it, Air Force Auxiliary, and they kind of went to the hams. And so it involved a lot of us hams. To, we started equipping airplanes and, and doing things like that. So we kind of got into it in that vein, and it paid off. We actually uh, saved a few lives, uh, found a few uh, not-so-good lives. 
And other than that, and a lot of technology has changed. Uh, back in the 70s and 60s, almost all the public safety bands were on VHF. And somebody gets a handheld radio, they can real play havoc. But now with the new trunking systems and, and digital and everything, they can just take that, you know, send down a command, that radio no longer works. Yeah. So we don't see a lot of it. But again, we see weird things like, oh, last year I found we were getting a repeater jam. And you know what it was? It was, the, uh, it was a microwave motion detector at Cole's uh, department store. <laughs> And it was pointed right at the repeater, and it had this birdie on there that would just literally drive everybody nuts. And so we got on the air on uh, UHF and found it, and Coles wouldn't ever admit to it, but the next day it went away. <laughs> so it's really, I mean, it's, it's not complicated. It's really like being at the ham fest trying to find the guy walking around with a transmitter in his pocket. Yeah, and and I've done that, We and sometimes... On the handhelds, especially the Yesus, if you do, if you have a speaker mic, if that's not plugged in all the way, it keys that thing up. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. But if all you do is pull it out just a little bit, and all of a sudden you've got a jam transmitter, and down at Ruby's Inn, uh, the Rocky Mountain Convention, all of a sudden here's our here's our uh, administration frequency. Somebody's jammed it up, and it turned out to be. One of the volunteers up in this uh, motel room with it just barely out enough to uh, jam it up. And there was three of us that found them at the same time. <laughs> we all tried to claim credit, but, you know. Well, that's really interesting. You know, it just seems like it would be more to it than that. But, I, again, that's the magic of ham radio. And what we've been learning here over the course of three years is that uh, it, it doesn't have to be complicated to work. It just You need to be able to know what you're doing with it to make it work. Absolutely. And that's why I say practice, practice, practice. And speaking of practice, what are some of the what are some good practices for transmitter hunting? And then I want you to tell me what are some don't do practices for transmitter hunting. <laughs> oh, there's a few of those. Let me run through them here. I actually made a list. I kept thinking, oh yeah, I remember that one. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, it used to be kind of a race. And it was like, okay, first person gets back to the uh, front desk with the uh, information where this transmitter is, they win. Well, I got caught up in one of those one time, and my son John was driving my truck, and we found it. He got into a race back to the <laughs> through the campground, and we come barreling in in a pile of dust, and I'm in the back laying down spread eagle trying to keep from bouncing out. And along, along behind us come a half a dozen very mad campers about, hey, why are you racing through the parking lot? <laughs> also, uh, it's, an, it's very dangerous. Uh, so a lot of the clubs now, rather than make it a race, they make it a mileage uh, event. So they take your miles, and uh, then whoever comes in within an hour with the less miles, they, they actually win. And out in California, we even have a name for it. It's called the Crenshaw Mile. Hmm. Uh, Crenshaw Boulevard, there's a uh, there's a... Well, it's a donut shop now, and you line up your front bumper with the edge of the donut shop, and then you drive Crenshaw Crenshaw Boulevard <laughs> for nine miles, and you pull over to the side at this other place, and somebody looks at your miles and says, "Yep, your nine miles is actually eight point nine nine," and then they use that as a they use that as a multiplier or divider to right. uh, get the thing. So we don't we don't like to make them running races. Okay. Another thing is if you're putting out. 
five transmitters, try and do it in a way that it's not the fastest runner. Because, you know, the most of us go these uh, transmitter hunt, these uh, conventions, we're not really running mood. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a leg that's probably gone and the other one's talking to it and saying, Hey, I want to be there. Mm. And, you know, and for it to turn into a, uh, Hey, the, the fist is the fastest uh, runner wins. That's kind of hard. Also, you don't want to make it too hard. Like I said earlier, make it easy enough. Make it, You can make a couple hard ones, but make them easy enough that it whets their appetite. Uh, how would it be if you entered the Boston Marathon and after the first person comes across a line, they uh, they, cl- they close down the, the finish line and all go home, you know? It'd make you feel kind of weird, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. It wouldn't, be, time. It wouldn't, be, worth the, it wouldn't be worth running. <laughs> no. Well, you, you know – you want them to come back and get better and better. Um, watch your times. Some I went to a, a uh, transmitter hunt one time where the guy says, yeah, we're going to make it really hard. It's only going to come on for a half a second every five minutes. And he picked <laughs> the frequency right on top of a control frequency for a repeater. <laughs> well, that was a little frustrating. You sit there and all of a sudden here comes a signal and everybody swirls around. Which direction? Hey, it's gone for another five minutes. Yeah. So make it easy enough that it – it wefts her out to tighten and, and gives them success because success always builds it. There, that's one of the things that, that I enjoyed about the one that I kind of fell into was that it seemed like to me it was transmitting often enough that I wasn't just sitting there waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting. And it transmitted long enough that I could do donuts in a parking lot and get a better, better you know, feel for where it was at. That's a great idea. I at the most I I do one minute on one minute off, so it's very dependable. But most of mine are constant, and with these new little handhelds, you can do that. Another thing is always keep it on public property. Don't make people go wandering into into uh, private property. That's a no. That's a no go. And also, you're going to draw attention. Be a good ambassador. When somebody walks up to you and say, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" Don't say, "Oh, we're talking to Mars," or <laughs> We actually now this is true. We were having it at a, uh, a, a convention site at a hotel where, you know, ninety nine percent of the public was unaware of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The guy hid the transmitter at the swimming pool, <laughs> and so when these we show up with these antennas, one of them, of course, hey, what are you guys doing? And he says, oh, there was a Soviet satellite came down with a radioactive payload. And we're trying to find it. Oh, well, we got a call real quick from Des saying people are checking out. Oh my gosh! You are not you're not welcome here anymore. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> don't don't be the wise guy. Just tell them what you're doing. And also, if you want it, get some uh, little ARL uh, leaflets selling. Hey, this is ham radio, and you know maybe we'll interest someone. But yeah. at least we won't we won't put them down by telling them we're talking to Mars. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that's some good ideas. What are some bad ideas? Uh, <laughs> well, I thought that was a pretty bad well, that, idea. That one's a bad idea. But but the that's a the leaflet idea. was yeah. the leaflet handing out was a good idea. Okay, in the midst if of the bad gonna, idea. If you're going to hide a transmitter, make it make it. I have a label. In fact, I got one right here somewhere. Eh, I don't have it, but I have a label and and it says. This is a hidden transmitter. It is part of a homeland security. Um, Exercise. If any questions, call, and then I give my name and my telephone number, uh, my my cell number. So if they 
if there's any question, they can call. We actually had a guy out, and I believe it was Denver. If you guys out in Denver, if I'm if I'm telling a story that's not true, let me know. But I believe it was Denver. It was he put the transmitter in an ammo can ammo container, which is quite common. Mm-hmm. Then he went to the bottom underneath a freeway and he chained it to an overpass and then he wrote on the top, this is not a bomb. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think they they either blew the box up or something, but that's that's not a very good way to go. This is not a uh, bomb. There's a lot of tricks. Uh, rule number one, never trust the bunny. The bunny will lie to you every time. Back in the 70s, we were running uh, live transmitters in cars, and so it was a lot of fun to uh, – I worked around the railroad. I took my cassette recorder down and recorded all kinds of railroad sounds you know, with the locomotives and bills and all that. And then I went up on the hill about 10 miles away, and I'm – hi, this is the bunny. Come and find me. And I'm playing locomotive sounds in the background, and on the simplex frequency off the side, I hear him, yeah, I heard the train. He's got to be down with his own. So they all head down the train. And then I started playing uh, steam sh- steamboat whistles, and then I started playing uh, car- uh, carnival sounds, you know, barkers and stuff. So, you know, have a lot of fun with it. It, it, um, doesn't, it a- doesn't have to just be come find me. Blah, blah. No, yeah. no. One of the guys went down to a place called Modern Display and paid about $200 for him to make a fake rock. <laughs> and he put the fake rock in the middle of the field. And the guy that actually found it, he said, I went all around that rock about 20 times. And finally, I decided to stand on it to see if I could see better. And he says, I stood on it. I go, hey, this doesn't feel like a rock. Wow. Uh, another one was a dripping faucet. They took a piece of PVC pipe with the antenna inside. They stuck it right next to the uh, flowers, and they even hooked it up to the to the water, so it was dripping. And that was it. <laughs> now you got to remember, this is transmitter hunting, not antenna hunting. Right. Out in California, it's quite common for them to put an obvious uh, antenna in the tree, and then 50 feet away is the transmitter. And people go back and they're, hey, I found it. I found it. Really, where was the transmitter? You know. Right. Uh, bicycle basket. I had a guy put put one in the bicycle, and he just rode around circles around all the hunters. <laughs> uh, Southern California, they're crazy. Let me tell you just two stories. Down there, they take they take poles with uh, rope, and they'll stretch them out from a bottom area of a like a valley, mm-hmm. and they they make like a fifty element two meter beam, and it's pointing right up into a box canyon. <laughs> <laughs> So there's people are all over the Box Canyon, twenty miles away, trying to find it. They'll take a uh, they'll take a uh, a, uh, a Yagi, put it on a rotator with a motor, and they'll rotate it around. Um, the biggest, the granddaddy of them all, there's the back at the Southern Southern California Transmitter uh, Hunting Group. They go on all day looking looking finds. They were told uh, in Southern, they were in California, just outside of L.A., and they said, okay, travel west until you hear it, or east, excuse me, travel east until you hear the signal, and then go find it. The transmitter, when the time they found it two days later, was on top of a mountaintop in St. George, Utah, over 300 miles away. (laughs) Most of them never made it past Vegas. Their wife says, no, turn around, come home, that's it, you know. The, one of the worst prob things I've ever heard, and this happened this here in Salt Lake back in the, back in the 60s. This is when everybody was on AM 145.5 uh, AM two meters. And the transmitter 
was actually in the airport terminal in a briefcase strapped to one of the chairs with a chain with a lock with a with a, a coat hanger antenna coming out of the top. The guys that found it they actually pulled their car right up in front of the terminal. And you can't do this these days. Yeah, yeah. Pulled up in front of the terminal. They got out. They brought this. One of them took the battery out of the car. So here comes <laughs> here comes three guys traipsing through there. One guy's carrying a battery. The other guy's carrying the radio, which is – I can't remember what radio. It was one of the old radios. And another guy's carrying a, th- a four-element beam. And they're traipsing through the airport looking for this briefcase. Oh, my goodness. Now, Tom, I, times I have changed. I don't think you're going to do that anymore. No, no. <laughs> you won't get near the front door with anything in your hand like that. I can promise you. Now, one of the sneaky things we did a couple of years ago, John works down a building where there's a lot of police cars. And so they have cars there that have antennas on them, but they're used for training and chasing each other around the, the track and everything. So we took the transmitter, put it in the trunk of one of the police cars, hooked it up to a police antenna. So when the guys finally tracked it down to the parking lot where the transmitter was, they're looking at a sea of about 50 police cars, every one of them with antennas. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I think one person found it. My goodness. You know, it, it, listen, listening to those stories, it, unless you're involved in fox hunting, there may, be, there may be guys, Larry, like you out there and John that are, are doing this, that listen to this program. I would think the large majority of us aren't doing that. And it just seems to me that you just kind of told us some things we never even realized necessarily that were going on in transmitter hunting and, and the fun that could be had there. I mean, no idea, n- none at all. And, uh, it was just something like for me locally, they might do it once a year, maybe twice a year, depending, but, uh, I had no idea that it was such a big thing. I want to talk to you some more about it after this break. We'll be back in just a moment. We've got Larry Jacobs with us. His call is whiskey alpha seven Z Bravo Oscar. You're listening to ham radio 360 podcast. mtcradio.com is the place to go to pick up your icom radio gear we talk about it every show listen if you're interested in getting into d-star they've got a brand new introductory rig entry-level d-star radio for you right now at mtcradio.com check it out it's the id 4100 it's a uh, it's a great new rig that they developed with you the new d-star user in mind It's got GPS built into it, an optional Bluetooth capability. There's an app that you can use along with your phone, as well as an SD card. It allows you to not only record things that are being said over the radio, it also allows you to pre-program the frequencies you want into the memory banks of the radio from your computer instead of having to do it with a cable and this and that. Check them out, mtcradio.com. It's the ID4100 from ICOM. All right, so we're back with Larry, and we're talking about this transmitter hunting and the fun that could be had, and as well as the uh, the utility of it in case something were to happen around you that you needed to locate a transmitter that was hung up or someone sitting on a microphone. Happens all the time on the local fire department frequencies for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but maybe they just need some training. Uh, maybe I could start a contracting business anyway. Let's uh, let's talk about when we're going out on a transmitter hunt. Larry, are, are there certain things that we can anticipate hearing or things we should look for, anything like that? 
You bet. Uh, one of the uh, almost universal uh, calls that are given out is M-O and then E or I. Let me see if I got one on here. Uh, five, five, oh, oh. No. Try it again. Five, five, five. Oh, there we go. Okay. This is this is one of my. Okay, he's sending out M O I. You don't have to know code. If I've got five transmitters going, can you hear that? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. All you have to do is count the dits at the end. This means it's. Transmitter number two. And in this situation, let me turn this guy off. In this situation, I have five transmitters, and they are going at taking turns. So I got five minutes worth of transmitting. One transmitter will go for a minute. <clears throat> It'll send out an ID. Excuse me. It'll send out an ID. And then the next one, it'll turn off, and then as soon as it turns off, the other one comes on. So now you've got five rotating transmitters all on the same frequency, and they've got little calls going that tells you I'm transmitter number two. I'm So you have to look at this and go, do I want to start chasing each one individually? You go crazy because <laughs> you have to – at one point, you got to go, I'm going to stand right here for for four minutes and wait for that transmitter to come on so I can find it <laughs> and then go to the next one. Right. If you try and chase them back and forth and I try and stage them so that they, they're not in a pattern, this one over here will be way over on this side of the yard. This one will be on the other side of the yard. So they, you can't really chase them. But that's one of the things, and that's kind of universal. That's what international uh, transmitting hunting is all about. Is Now, is that some kind of device that is – commercially available that, that makes those tones? What, 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 yeah, that's, what were you using there? That's the PICON controller, P-I-C-C-O-N, okay. and uh, it's Bionics. Uh, and they have, uh, it's www.bionics.com. He makes a really, a really nice controller. And for you uh, workshop guys, you can build your own. They'll send you the board and all of the components you could build. I'm not that good a builder anymore, so I just buy it. Like oh, It's only about 65 bucks for the thing. But this will do a myriad of things. It'll send your call. It'll do all. It'll turn on and off at different points. Hmm. And like I said, if you hook it up to a transceiver, you can actually reconfigure it. And if, if they're, people are getting too close, you can say, oh, I'm going to only put it on for one minute every five minutes <laughs> if you want, you know. So that's kind of cool. Now, what I'm listening, what I'm was receiving here on this is the BKY or BK3YNG sniffer four. These are actually made in Australia, and it's it's such an insulated little box that if you take the antenna off, uh, you're not going to be getting anything into it. So it's it's and it has automatic attenuation. I'm going to turn this thing on and uh, show you. Instead of having an S meter, it's audio. So it starts out low, and as you go higher and higher and higher, you it kicks in another 10 dB attenuation, drops down low and higher and higher. So with my with my uh, measuring tape antenna and this, I can just walk literally. I can go from five miles away to walking right up onto the thing. Wow. And you put on stereo headphones. I know you're stereo. And you're listening to the signal from the transmitter in the left ear, and you're listening to your little uh, sniffer in the right ear. And nobody else can hear it, so you're not giving a clue to 
the other hunters. You can just walk. And you, well, the thing of it is, when you find it, don't get real excited. I found it. I found it. You know, you just nonchalantly, oh, there it is. I'll just keep looking this way. <laughs> oh, maybe it's over there by that trash can. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a card game. You got to have your poker face uh, on when you play these things. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's not uh, that's not a really inexpensive device, but it's what three or four hundred bucks to buy that sniffer you're talking about. Three hundred dollars. Uh, when I bought mine, I had to get it from Australia, and I had to wait a whole month for wow. them to build it, ship it. But there's a guy down in uh, Southern California that actually stocks them now. Cool. So you could almost get it overnight if you want. But they're three hundred dollars. That's a really interesting device. I mean, that that would be something good for any municipality or anybody to have, I guess. Well, I use it with the scouts too. It's a, it's got a scout mode. Okay. You can lock, you can program it, lock it in, so the scouts can't mess it up. <laughs> and one of the things we do out here is geocaching and transmitter hunting. And what we do, we give the scouts, okay, here's your here's your uh, geocache, uh, GMRS, GMRS. Here's your <laughs> GMS. Um, did I say that right? Anyway, the, here's your here's your geocaching coordinates. Mm-hmm. So they take the GPS and they go find it, and then they'll find the treasure, and in it it'll have the frequency for the for the transmitter. So then they'll take they'll take their antennas and go find the transmitter, and there there's the next coordinates for your next geocache, and you can do this six seven times as long as you know the scouts can keep finding them. So, so they have to find a, the geocache to find the frequency to find the geocache right. to find and the frequency. Find the frequency to find the geocache that is to find cool. the frequency. At one point, you got to stop. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, this is part of radio orienteering, uh, a merit badge, right. and that, that qualifies. So, hey, if you're a scout guy, this is a great way to get out of the house. You tell your wife, well, I need to go find the, you know, we got to help the scouts. I mean, there are... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a brilliant idea. I mean, that talk about a great practice for something like CERT or a local search and rescue group or even your scouts or anything like that. I mean, there's just loads of uh, opportunity to learn in every bit of that. Yeah, we actually, it was about um, back in the 70s. Remember when CB was big time? Oh, yeah. Two-meter rigs are being stolen like crazy because they look just like CB. In fact, Antenna Specials even put out there a little thing that went on their antenna that says, this is not a CB antenna. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were we were on the local repeater one time, and all of a sudden we get, yeah, break it, he broke, broke, broke. Anybody cop at the big dog out here? You know, it's like we thought it was a ham messing around. So somebody comes back, yeah, this is stinky. How you doing there, big dog? Well, big dog come back. Yeah, break or he broke. Uh, you know, I've got this new CB I just bought, uh-huh. and uh, boy, it's a good. Well, we figured out uh, he was. He thought he was on CB. So there was like <laughs> three of us started conversation. Yeah, they're big dog. Where you at? We'd like to see that big CB of yours. And he told us he was at a car wash out <laughs> about fifteen <laughs> miles away. So we went out. We found him. Blocked him. Called the sheriff's department. And uh, recovered a two-meter rig. So wow. yeah, uh, an antenna would have been nice then instead of us. I think we all probably broke more FCC rules than that guy ever did. <laughs> just trying, to, just trying to find him. Trying to recover the FCC's yeah. licensed rig. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's funny. Well, you could be. You know, you could do that cough thing where you do you call sign in a cough. You know, like, K four CDN. What was that? <laughs> well, the thing of it is, we didn't want to use our call signs because we thought they'd give it away. So we all, yeah. we all got, uh, we all got handles that day. That's and, funny. And uh, since my 
call was ZBO. I called myself Zebo. And the crazy thing is, I'm still known to this day by half the people in the Valley of Z as Zebo. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't pick Stinky or something. Yeah, something you know? bad. Yeah, you know something. Yeah, yeah, they'd, they'd remember that one too. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Well, Larry, we, we've enjoyed catching up with you. I tell you, the time has really gone fast, and it doesn't always do that sometimes when you're learning about something. But this has just been—it's just been brilliant to listen to. I, I had no idea that uh, first it was an, an international competitive thing. I had no idea that that uh, people were so involved in this, and it was such a part of the hobby. Uh, you know, local ham fest here—I uh, I don't think they do a transmitter hunt but i are, are building antennas i like that idea as well so uh thank you for coming here and and hanging out with us and like i said being a ham all these years and your father and now your son it's just some really cool stuff to see it pass on through and uh and building on that and, and sharing with us what you've learned over these almost 50 years of being a ham well i appreciate the opportunity i'm always a i'm a missionary for ham radio for sure for sure Absolutely. Well, I've been called an evangelist. It's kind of funny. It's almost like, uh, you know, why are you so evangelistic about this ham radio thing? And, and my question is, well, it's great. I mean, I tell people if I go to a great restaurant, I tell people about it. If I if I like my truck, I, I tell people about it. So why wouldn't I tell them about my favorite hobby? There you go. You got her down. Yep. Yep. Well, Larry, thank you again. Guys, his call is uh, Whiskey Alpha 7Z Bravo Oscar. His name is Larry Jacobs. You can catch his son, John, on the brand new Field Radio podcast that follows this show on Thursdays. So uh, make sure you're tuning in as well. So we we, we appreciate you being here, Larry, and, and thank you again. Thank you for sharing with us about this stuff. And guys, if you have questions, we'll try to get our get, get them to Larry and uh, get them answered for you as well as we'll have show notes in the uh, and links in our show notes for you to be able to come in and, and find some of these things that uh, he's been talking about this time through. Thanks again, Larry. No problem. And by the way, just as a side note, we're going to make a YouTube video and uh, all the things we've been talking about and show some demonstrations. So I don't know. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the address will be, but it'll be coming up this next week. By the time this gets in the box then and wrapped up, I think we'll probably have a YouTube video out for that, too. Well, that's going to be hard to beat. Well, you can find it in the show notes. How's that? No problem. Love it. Larry, thank you so much again for being here with us. I've learned a load of stuff. I shared this episode a few days early with my sons to kind of give them an idea of what we're going to be talking about this week. The transmitter hunting thing really lit them up, so we'll have to see where it goes. Uh, They also kind of like the idea of making their own antenna, although they don't have their own radio. So, uh, yeah, Kel's got a list of materials, and I'll be taking that to the Home Depot, Lowe's, or wherever to to get the materials here for us. Speaking of list of materials, if you go to the website, hamradio360.com, click on the link for this new show, you'll you'll have everything there that we've talked about, whether it's the books, it's the organizations, it's the rules, it's plans to build your own directional antenna. It's all there, hamradio360.com. Don't forget, coming up Thursday, John's going to be here with episode number two of Field Radio Podcast, and Jeremy and George will be back next Tuesday with the latest from the workbench. Guys, thank you so much for listening, supporting the show, sharing it with your friends, letting everybody know what we're doing here on 360. God bless you. Thanks for listening. 73, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast, brought to you by Main Trading Company, Paris, Texas, and by Elecraft.com, hands-on ham radio. To learn more about the show, visit our website, hamradio360.com. 
73s, y'all. 